Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to the We Podcast, where we speak, we grow, we rise. I'm your host, Sarah Menares, and I'm so excited for you to be here with me today. I get to have a discussion with Danielle Hughes. Danielle is an amazing woman. She's a part of the We Are Women Rising community. She's my colleague, a therapist. She's also a mom and a veteran and has an amazing story and heart to share with us today. So we talk about shame, vulnerability, healthy and unhealthy relationships. And we also talk about some of the taboo topics like anxiety and depression uh, and PTSD. So those are our very favorite topics. All of the things that people don't talk about, right? (laughs) That's what this podcast is for. So to be able to share the truth with you and grow through and rise through the challenges of life. Get ready. Here comes the amazing chat I was able to have with Danielle. Danielle, thank you for being here with me today. This is very, very exciting. I'm um, honored to have you. And I think just to start out, I would love to tell people a little bit about you, um, how we know each other. I think that's always a fun way to start. Uh, We've known each other for, I don't know, how many years now? Gosh, seven, maybe. Yeah, because I guess Logan's six, so. Oh, and I met you before you got pregnant with Logan. Yeah, so like eight years probably. Maybe even a tad longer. Yeah. It's been a while, wow. (laughs) (laughs) It has been, it's awesome. So now, um, for those of you just meeting Danielle, she is my friend and colleague and a fellow therapist counselor, therapist slash counselor, I guess. We were just talking about this and what to call you. (laughs) (laughs) A fellow counselor and we get to work together. So it's super awesome. And I feel like we are very much on the same page with a lot of the way we kind of see the world and people and our mission and hearts for women and just making the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I feel so honored. Good. <laughs> I'm glad. Thank you. All right. So um, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about the mission of this podcast and uh, the heart behind it and really speaking our truth so Mm -hmm. that we can help other women be brave and bold in speaking their truth as well. And sometimes our truth isn't always, well, not sometimes, most of the time our truth isn't really pretty Yeah, (laughs) or it can be hard and messy and all of these things. At least I know that's true for me. Um, as far as my past and my experiences and stuff like that goes. And my goal really is to help people speak about those things more openly Mm -hmm. so that we can grow through them and rise above. 
So I would love to just start out with you kind of telling a little bit about your story. Awesome. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a big question. Huh? <laughs> it, is, it is a big question and it, you know, it, there's can be a lot to it. Um, so I, to share a bit about where I came from, I grew up in a small town with, uh, a family who is highly dysfunctional, as are many. Mm. Amen, sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots of dysfunction. Common, don't we? Yes, yes, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but you know, also helps helps create who we are. Um, but my parents divorced pretty young. My dad was in the service. Uh, and a lot, there was a lot of emotional neglect and substance abuse, and even at um, times physical abuse woven in throughout my childhood, which, you know, was really hard uh, growing up in that type of an environment. I moved out on my own at a very young age, 15, and wow, yeah, supported myself. I worked and went to school, high school, so I worked on uh, after school to support myself to pay rent and bills and food and all that stuff. Graduated high school. How is it? How does one move out at 15? It's like hard for me to wrap my brain around. Like, how do you even get an apartment or, you know, at 15? It's funny because I have kids now and I have a, a teenage daughter and I look at her and think, gosh, how would she do that? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess on one hand I was lucky. I had a boyfriend who I was serious with and we had a couple who, uh, lived together. They were also teenagers, young adults. Well, they were teenagers and they had an apartment. Their roommates were moving out and we both kind of needed a place to live. And so I guess I didn't need a place to live. It was more of a choice for me. My home life was pretty not, I was, I was supporting myself really on my own anyway, living in my house. And so in my mind at Mm -hmm. that age, it was like, well, why don't I just live on my own? I'm paying for everything. I work in the area that the apartment was at. I go to school in the area that the apartment was at. So it was just like, I'm kind of already taking care of myself. This was just a little more of a step, I guess. So it kind of worked out that these friends of ours had the need for another set of roommates. So hmm. I just left. So which, there you go. Yeah. And in looking at my own child, I think there's no way I would let her just get up one day and move out. But hmm. and I, that I guess speaks volumes to how disconnected my, my parents were. Mm. But there was there was no one to say, hey, wait a minute, fifteen's a little young. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely identify with that in a lot of ways. Like doing things at a really young age. Mm-hmm. Where now I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I can't even yeah. imagine my kids oh, doing some of the things. <laughs> yeah. Me yeah. either. Mm-hmm. So I I did that. I moved out, supported myself, and uh, finished high school. Joined the military. 
uh, spent four years in the military, which was in ways very helpful. And then in other ways, there was some trauma that, that occurred. Not a combat veteran, but I did experience some sexual trauma in the military. Mm. Got out of the military, spent some time working in uh, different fields, mm-hmm. got pregnant, met, mm-hmm. uh, had, had a boyfriend who actually ended up passing away in a motorcycle accident, which was pretty traumatic and mm-hmm. tough to deal with. And was that when you were pregnant? Yes. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Hmm, I never knew this about you. You didn't? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So So that's Zoe's dad? It's not. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> so there's another Yeah. It's, so I guess this is kind of a nice little story because it's a story that I held a lot of shame around for a while. Um no, I was actually dating a person uh, who I had met in the military, and we had a relationship and split up before I even found out that I was pregnant. And it kind of had to go through my own process of, okay, you know, where am I headed now? Um, and then he decided he didn't want to be a part of the process in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And oddly enough, I happened to meet someone. uh, I mean, right after I found out I was pregnant, I wasn't looking to have a relationship. I was pretty solid. I'm going to, I'm going to have this baby be a single mom and I don't need anybody. I don't want a, a boyfriend or a partner. Met him through a friend and it was kind of odd because I wasn't looking for anyone. He wasn't looking for anyone, but we clicked and we connected and sure enough, ended up kind of falling in love, honestly. And Mm -hmm. uh, he was an amazing man and was excited for my child. And and then uh, six, eight weeks before she was born, he was, he was killed in a motorcycle accident. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. It was Gosh. tough. Mm-hmm. I bet. Yeah. But fast. I so so then I had Zoe, my daughter, and we kind of hung out together, just her and I, for about four years. I didn't date. Um, worked. And how old were you when you had her? I was like 24, 25. Okay. Mm-hmm. And. I guess right around the time she was four, I decided to stop working and go back to school, which was something I didn't even think I could do. Education wasn't a part of my family of origins history. And so, you know, no one went to school. So I didn't know that was an option. And I had met this girl through Zoe's daycare, actually. And she was like, you know, you could go back to school if you wanted. And it's like, really? No mm. I love that. Isn't that yeah. amazing how we have these people speak into our lives that mm-hmm. is, and it's something almost that seems so simple, 
yeah. now, like right. looking back, but it, it wasn't at the time. It's yeah. like a shedding of light in a place where we need it, even if it's just someone passing through briefly, you know, yeah. it was, it was, it was truly a pivotal moment in my life because I was in a place where I didn't know. I mean, I was making money for a single mom in, in, in Southern California, but it, but I was, I was hitting a wall because I was in a certain field where if I wanted to go any further, I was going to need a degree. And hmm. so I realized I needed a degree to move further along in the career that I was in. I was doing, I was doing human resources actually at the time. And so I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And uh, one of the ladies at daycare was like, well, you could go back to school. And I was like, oh gosh, wow. And so she kind of showed me ropes, if you will. And I decided if I was going to go back to school, that I was going to go back to school for something I was interested in, which was counseling. So I enrolled in school, which was really neat because I had no idea that I could go to college. And so I was, you know, a non-traditional student. Mm. And then as I was in school, I was just trucking along, doing okay, and uh, decided to start dating and met my husband. Mm -hmm. And we've had a very non-traditional path. (laughs) (laughs) No life has been non-traditional, but I love that because I think it helps I think other people even realize that you know you don't have to necessarily go down a path that society or even our families kind of have laid out for us can Mm -hmm. you know go on our own little can be off the beaten path a little bit and still achieve our goals and yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so I met my husband and we dated for not a whole long time actually and got pregnant with our son and moved from California to Colorado. And he adopted Zoe. And yeah, (laughs) (laughs) at some point in time, I decided to go to grad school to become a counselor. And he decided to go into law enforcement, got married, have our kids. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been a struggle. There's been amazing things that have happened, but you know, marriage is hard. Raising kids is hard. And so, yeah, (laughs) you might need to edit this. (laughs) No, you're good. (laughs) It is hard. Marriage is hard and being a parent is hard. I think those are the, definitely the two hardest things I've ever done for sure. And you know, when you were talking about the shame, you kind of breezed over it a little bit, but that partlet grabbed me because I've definitely, man, for years, I think was held back by shame Mm -hmm. in my story and Mm -hmm. decisions I made that went against everything I was taught, right? Mm -hmm. As a child, um, feeling like, gosh, I was a terrible person. Why would anybody ever love me? Like there, there can be some deep, deep roots in that shame. And that's why I love this so much. (laughs) Like it feels vulnerable, right? To say it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It feels hard to say and to speak it, but it's really, I believe the only thing that can dig up those roots. I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I also, I mean, I've struggled with shame and, and I guess one of the things I didn't get to, but because of some of the traumas and life experiences that I've had, I, I also have PTSD and I struggle with anxiety and depression. And, and so in addition to some of the choices that I've made, uh, battling some of that other stuff adds to the shame really. Hmm. Um, and it, it is hard to talk about. Uh, it's not like we all sit around the dinner table talking about the shame that we carry. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but, I wonder what that would look like. <laughs> oh, gosh, I know. But I love that you're doing these podcasts and, and some of the other work that you're doing because it does bring light to this stuff and it helps us know that, you know, we can still we can still have even daily struggles and find ways to cope with them and overcome them and still meet our goals. I mean, I've crushed some of my own personal goals that I never even thought were possible Mm -hmm. all while struggling with, you know, PTSD symptoms and depression and shame and guilt and, you know, but still trying to be the best mom I can be and the best wife I can be. And, you know, Mm -hmm. those, you know, the depression and anxiety and shame, they bleed into your relationships, they show up. And I think part of overcoming some of that is, is facing it and learning how to work with it and deal with it and not stuff it down and keep it hidden. Right. Mm, Yes. I love that. I I mean, really how powerful is that? Because it's so true. Like, we can be depressed. Sometimes we can struggle. I definitely went through a period in my life where, you know, any second I got, I would take a nap like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, yeah, I mean, some depression, um, definitely anxiety from a very young, young age Mm -hmm. and that we don't have to allow that to be our entire story, that you still can crush your goals. You can go back to school. You can do these things that were not the norm in your family Mm -hmm. um, and, and continue to rise, even though you've had some crap, right? Dealt to you and um, hard things that you've had to, to work through. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff like this makes me excited and happy. (laughs) Me too. Me too. Because it's so, I think, and I know I experienced this. We, and I think you've talked about this in your podcast too. We all, I think, can feel like we're the only ones that Mm. go through hard stuff or go through certain situations and uh, we're not. And the more we talk about it and, and not in a pity party way, but in a sense of life can be so hard, but Mm. if we talk about how hard it is, we can connect with each other because we have shared experience, maybe not the exact experience, but right. We've experienced hard. We've like, you've said, we've experienced pain and, Mm -hmm. and that's, we're not alone. And I guess that's one of the things that I love to share with people is that, I mean, and I know even in my darkest hour, when I might feel alone, I have gotten to a place in life, like even when I still struggle with depression, because it hasn't just magically gone away, I still struggle with it. But I know now that even in my darkest moment, I'm not alone. 
Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can make it to the other side. And I guess that's one of the messages I try to relay to others is that you're not alone. And if you just keep going, mm-hmm. we can make it to the other side. Yeah. We can get through it. We can right. climb the mountain mm. together. Yeah. Hope. I mean, hope. that's hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not knowing the light's there on the other side, even though you can't see it or feel it in the moment. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And for yeah. some people, that's faith, you know, faith in their higher power. For some people, it's, uh, you know, other things. But mm-hmm. yeah, hope, knowing that we might not see the light, but it's there. Right. Right. Yeah. And that you, I, that, to me, that's a huge piece too, is that you have other people who can help you see it mm-hmm. too. And and those people can't help you see it though, if they don't know what's going on with you. Right. So yes. here's a whole nother piece of speaking our truth, even when we are in our darkest place. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Not <laughs> stepping it down and not hiding it. Cause mm-hmm. I, yeah, the hiding it is where all of the bad stuff happens. I mean, that's where yeah. addictions come from and, you know, people who don't, who, who want to take their lives or, well, and I, I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I said, I, you know, I was having a conversation with someone earlier today and I, I said, I, I spent a lot of time in my life, either hiding, running or numbing. Mm-hmm. Like those are my main three, right? <laughs> if I, if I couldn't hide, I would run. If I couldn't run, then I would just numb. Right. Yep. And I've had to learn how to unnumb myself in a lot of ways. Yes. Because one thing I didn't realize definitely, which that was a coping skill that served me at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of times we live in those coping skills long after we need them. Right. And I never really realized that when you numb the bad, you also numb the good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't experience joy if you can't experience your pain. Mm-hmm. And you have to sit in it, not dwell, not linger, not stay there forever. But you, I guess that's one of the pivotal pieces for me and how my journey has played out is, is learning how to sit in the discomfort and allow myself, myself to feel the feelings. Because I also spent years. Um, numbing, running, avoiding. Mm-hmm. I mean, someone would tell, ask me what I was feeling. And I mean, I honestly had no idea. I probably just made stuff up because, yeah. <laughs> you know, now I know what I feel, but back then, you know, in retrospect, I had no clue. Mm-hmm. Well, what would you say to people? Because that sounds so scary, mm-hmm. like to sit in it. Holy moly. That can feel super overwhelming. So what would you say to people about that? <sighs> Lean into it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's ways to get help uh, mm-hmm. facilitating that. I think for me, uh, finding a good therapist was helpful um, because she helped me learn that I could survive the feelings. Mm. You know, I was, 
not going to die sitting in her office, allowing myself to feel. Yeah. And it was a safe place to do it. Mm -hmm. And so it was like kind of learning to crawl and learning to walk and, you know, learning to, to feel it out in her office and then taking that outside of her office. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we need some, some assistance. Mm -hmm. I think so, but Mm -hmm. obviously sure we're both counselors and so we are very (laughs) biased. (laughs) Yeah. But I, I mean, I guess that's the thing. Like we have such a stigma in our society that counseling is for the broken or the weak or the crazy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you know, we both talked about in the beginning of this podcast, we come from dysfunction. And so we, when we, when we learn the dysfunction, we don't learn healthy coping skills. And, you know, many of us need to be taught that stuff. And I I don't, I, now I look back and think, well, why, you know, a carpenter doesn't, isn't born knowing how to saw two by fours to build a house. Hmm. So Mm -hmm. If we're raised in an environment that's dysfunctional and we are taught bad coping skills or unhealthy coping skills, it's kind of almost insane for us to think that we should just know how to handle certain life situations. Yeah. Yeah. But for some reason, people think they should. Like, mm-hmm. uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I should know how to navigate this on my own. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which I'm a very firm believer that we're not meant to walk alone in anything, in our pain, in our depression, in our whatever, you know, the uncomfortable, hard things, but also in our joy and our happiness and um, all of the the comfortable things too. Mm-hmm. So we usually only want to talk to people and share when it's something that's going to make us look good or, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, further avoid the shame. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that support is huge, huge. Mm-hmm. And I think it's learning how to find healthy support. I know for me, I had to do that. I had to be, I had to read books and, you know, therapy and obviously my training, becoming a counselor helped me learn what does a safe person look like? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but I agree with you. I mean, I truly believe we are wired to be in community and in connection and in, and in the good and in the bad. Mm-hmm. And we're also told we need to be strong. We need to get over it. We need to mm-hmm. be in false community. Yes. Mm-hmm. So one of the things you said earlier uh, is you said not to have a pity party. And I want to go back to that for a second, because I, I think this is a good, it's a good thing to dig a little bit deeper in because what, I, I mean, what does that mean exactly? And when you said that, it made me think about Kind of this movement, I guess you could call it, that's happening in our society where it's like only focus on the positive. Mm. Like you're only allowed to focus on the positive. You're only allowed to focus on the things that are 
comfortable. And if you speak anything negative or if you talk about the things that you've been through that are hard or that you're having a hard time right now in this moment, Mm -hmm. that that's a pity party, that that's Mm -hmm. negative and that those things shouldn't be spoken to. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, I have a lot of thoughts about that. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, one of the things I think is that people don't know how this is one where I have gotten, I guess, in my grief, you know, I've experienced a lot of grief in my life and I, people don't know how to hang in there with the hard. And Mm -hmm. so they, people have time limits for you with even people who experience divorce or uh, loss of a job. Uh, people aren't able to hang in there with however long it takes that person to go through their process. Hmm. And so, at least in my experience, I think people, because of that, think if you're not quote unquote over something in an amount of time, certain amount of time, they think you're having a pity party. And so I think people tend to just, well, one, they think they're having a pity party if they're experiencing grief or negative feelings for a time uh, and they, and people don't want to hear it. They, or they think people don't want to hear it or people, they haven't found the people that are able to hear it. Mm, That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Not everybody's able to hear it. Right. And I think because I have found that people who aren't able to hang in there with the hard stuff, have probably not dealt with their own hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's so uncomfortable and dysregulating to their system that it's just like, well, well stop having a pity party. Get over it. Yeah, totally. I don't want to hear it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> You're dwelling. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and there's a difference between really going through something traumatic or really hard and, and processing that. And it takes a while sometimes with certain things versus getting stuck in victim mode. I think there's, mm. there's a difference there. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, there, are, there are people who get stuck in victim mode. They're woe is me, poor me. My life is so terrible. And they are like that for years, no matter what's going on in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm glad you made that differentiation because there really is a big difference. To me, victim mode is somebody who's not not able to take responsibility for their own self. Right. Like regardless of if things are good or bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there's no responsibility for self. Yeah. Yeah. They don't even see their part in how they're contributing to their own life. Good or right. bad. Right. And so when we have authentically um, difficult things happen and feelings that we need to process and we're going to people who are unsafe uh, or unable uh, to process those in a way with us that is productive and helpful, Mm -hmm. then I think that's what kind of perpetuates this idea that you need to keep it to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, because then it's 
you know, it's scary to be vulnerable. And when you're vulnerable and then you're shut down, it's like, ooh, won't do that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I want to say we do need to do that again, but we need to do it with people who are safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great, great point. So, <laughs> so how do you find those safe people? Because this is a, and I want to point out like some of your specialty areas, really, I see you, I, I talk to you a lot about relationships. I think that's a, as far as boundaries and um, healthy versus unhealthy relationships, I really see that as one of your areas of specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then trauma and PTSD and how those play out in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, but so quickly, if you could kind of tell us, how do you, how do you know if someone's not safe or how do you find those people who are people, you know, you could go to and, and they would be helpful? You know, I think it's different for everyone, obviously, but I think it's kind of like a dance. You have to, or even tipping your toe in the pool. Uh, you you can share a little tiny thing that doesn't feel super vulnerable and just kind of feel out the reaction uh, and kind of just, oh, this is such a, it could be a long, complicated answer and I'm trying to really simplify no, it. No, you're fine. Keep going. We don't mind it. <laughs> <laughs> but feeling people out. I mean, I think in my experience, people who continue to find unsafe people probably share too much information too quickly, and those people don't know how to handle that information, and so really no one is safe because you're oversharing. Mm. So, but then you can, you know, the pendulum swing to the other side and you don't share anything at all, mm-hmm. which isn't good either because then you run around saying, ah, oh, nobody's safe for that reason. Mm-hmm. So it, so I guess that's where I kind of say there's a dance. You kind of, you kind of just try a little bit, you know, you share a little bit of something that is safe and see the reaction. And if it is kind of like a validating experience, then, you know, hmm, maybe this person is safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you kind of can try to build on that a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. In my own experience, I know there's, there's, there's been times I've, I've shared information with someone and they have been completely devaluing and it's like, okay, note to self, that is not going to be a safe person. Right. Yeah. Dismissive. They, and there's a difference between not understanding and, and being safe and and showing up for a person. Like you don't have to experience something that someone's gone through to, to be safe. You just simply being like, gosh, I haven't experienced that, but that must be so hard Mm -hmm. is, goes a long way. Yeah. Versus, mm-hmm. well, I don't know what you're talking about. So, you know, you'll have to talk to someone else. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Or even shaming you or putting you down. Mm-hmm. See, I, I attracted hmm, a certain kind of person in my life <laughs> mm-hmm. for a long time. I would say people more along the narcissist take advantage of you kind of people. And it took me a long time to realize, you know, kind of the saying where 
like wherever you go, there you are. Oh, like yes. <laughs> you're the one who's, you're the only common factor in this situation. So yeah. why does it keep happening to you? And I'm like, it's my fault. Like I have yeah. all these people treating me terrible and being mean to me. And how is it my fault? And then, you know, I got some good awareness and I was picking the wrong people to share with. And then they could see my weak points and vulnerabilities. And that was kind of like an in. And so I had to develop some boundaries and structure and things like that. Yeah. And have a requirement in a sense for people in my life. I have to say, I experienced the same thing. I kept getting myself into these very similar situations and I could not figure out what it was. And I had someone who I really respected say to me one day, you know, you need to start paying attention in your choosing. What, what are you doing in your choosing that you keep choosing these people? Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. eye opening because same, I was like, what do you mean? It's my fault. Mm-hmm. But it really was. I was picking these people in these situations that obviously I needed to learn. I needed to learn some lessons. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. There's two books that I say significantly changed my life and um, they couldn't be more opposite from each other. (laughs) (laughs) Like one is a Christian based book called Captivating, which is an amazing book. Mm -hmm. And then um, around that same time, I read the book, Why Men Love Bitches. Oh, um, either one of them, but they sound fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> they really are both amazing. And I read both of those books and then I decided that I wasn't dating at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was the first time in my life I really started getting a backbone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I... I that four years that I spent in between uh, my boyfriend passing and meeting my husband was so pivotal. And I mm. see so many women, especially men, it happens with men too, but I see a lot of women jumping from relationship to relationship to relationship. I feel trying to fill mm-hmm. themselves and yes. find their identity. And that four years that I spent completely single was life-changing really I Mm -hmm. and and I guess I should say also I should credit both my husband and my boyfriend who passed because they were the first two men in my life to really help me learn that I was worthy Mm -hmm. of love and respect before I was able to find that for myself Mm -hmm. Um, but that four years in between was amazing because I got to learn who I was Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I wanted what I was worth. Right. Oh gosh. Not attached to a person. Yeah. Without it being intertwined in yeah. you need to make me happy. Right. You, yeah. That is, yeah. I think that is really, I think that's the most destructive thing we can do to ourselves is have our happiness and our sense of value and worth tied into another person. Yes. Mm. And so that, I guess, so one of the things I'm passionate about, which you know, is helping people 
learn how to love themselves, like mm-hmm. themselves, love themselves and, and have a healthy relationship with themselves so they can have healthy relationships outside of themselves after yeah. that. And it, it can only come from within. And I think tying that back to my shame that I carried for so long, and sometimes it still creeps in, but mm-hmm. self-love and self-worth is what helps kind of counter the shame. Mm-hmm. And I, that only can come from within. And when you're seeking happiness and identity outside of yourself, you're not going to have self-worth and, and you're probably going to be carrying a lot of shame is not being addressed. Mm-hmm. I agree. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, Heavy stuff. It is. I got to let it all soak in. Even this is though, this is something, you know, we talk about pretty regularly with clients. It's different to talk to somebody else about their life that that was a thing for me too, is I, I kind of found that as long as I could talk to everybody else about their stuff, mm. then <laughs> I didn't yeah. have to focus on my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the constant helper, the constant yeah. um, people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't, that doesn't work out so well because it's really freaking exhausting. It's exhausting and your identity becomes wrapped up in that. And so mm-hmm. when things start to falter, yeah, it kind of crushes whatever, I call it fake self-esteem and fake confidence because when you're doing those things and, and I'm, I'm right there with you. I was people pleaser and helper of everyone and except myself for a really <laughs> long time. But when you, when, when you're not able to help in a way, or, or whatever it is, your, your quote unquote self-esteem and self-worth starts to falter because it wasn't genuine to begin with because mm. it was, ex- it was external. Yeah. You're basing mm-hmm. your self-worth on how helpful you were, or what you were doing to please others. Right. Totally. Mm-hmm. It's good. Oh, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's hard, but it's, it is good. I love talking about this stuff because I think so many people hold it all inside mm-hmm. and yeah we are warriors I mean so many of us I, I think everyone in their own way has been through something really hard and to overcome that I mean we're warriors I totally agree it's amazing because a lot of times too we look at other people and we think well, their life hasn't been as bad as mine or they haven't experienced hard things like I have or whatever, you know, everybody else has a better life than me or all of these other women have it together way more than I do. (laughs) Right. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to be able to say, you know, I am a warrior in my mess. Sometimes I'm still a warrior. And, you know, my favorite thing is wearing a cape and we do all wear a cape, but sometimes it's tattered and it's hanging Mm -hmm. on by a thread. (laughs) Yeah, true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be, let's be real Mm. about it. Mm -hmm. Yes. There, I know I, uh, a few years ago, 
I, I think I shared this with you yesterday or recently. I, I've really gotten to a place where I can't even handle inauthenticity. Inauthenticity. Like, let's just be real. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I, I one thing I struggled with still sometimes struggle with perfectionism and having someone over if my house was not spick and span, like sent me off the rails. Like I almost couldn't do it. And now it's like, come on in. <laughs> the yeah. house is not mm-hmm. perfect. There's dishes in the sink and you know, mm-hmm. that this is this, and I'm in might be even in my jammies today because it's mm-hmm. a hard day, mm-hmm. you know. But that, and if people can't hang in with you, this is the other piece. If people can't hang in with you in the hard and in the truth and in the, the messy, they're not your people. Mm-hmm. Yes. If they're judging you for that. They're not your people. Mm-hmm. You're so right. Rather than trying to conform to please them. We need to say peace out. Peace out. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I have done some shedding over the last couple of years and it's been hard and in ways painful, but I, you got to let those people go. Mm-hmm. Even if they're family. That's one of the things I, I experience as a counselor too. And myself, it's hard to let go or, or to put distance there. Sometimes we have to put distance, even when it's family. Mm-hmm. If it's toxic. And yeah, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people think, well, I can't do that because they're blood, right? They're <laughs> they're related to me, so I can't set boundaries with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I get that. I mean, I used to feel that way for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and welcome the guilt and shame for having right. feelings around your family member. Yes, because they make you feel a certain way and you want them in your life in a certain way and Mm -hmm. make you feel like a horrible person. (laughs) You don't know what to do with that, but right. The weight that is lifted when you're able to move through that. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Peace. Yes. All right. Well, I could just talk to you forever. I know know. sometimes we talk on the phone for hours. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. I know me too. Um, so a, a couple questions before we end, and then I wanted you to tell people how they can find you. Uh, but first one is what do you think has been the most vital to your growth? Mm. Mm, I hate to say grad school, but no, the most vital to my growth. Mm, that's a tough question. Cause there's been a few things. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, you can say a few. Like grad general, school, general grad school definitely helped me learning to become a counselor forced me to look in the mirror in ways that I never had before. Mm-hmm. And so that was definitely key. Uh, my husband has been pivotal in my, in my growth because he was just someone who accepted me, all of me, every bit and hung in with me on the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, reading books there's been you know people there are famous people who are inspirational to me Brene Brown and Oprah have been hugely uh, inspiring in my whole my Oprah for my whole entire life mm-hmm. uh, counseling and then having people such as yourself uh, around me who 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 push me to be a better version of myself who push me to face myself and to dig into myself and all the while 
being encouraging and accepting of the good, bad, the ugly, the messy. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I feel that way about you also. Those are all super important things for sure. And those relationships, yeah, they're so vital. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome uh, that we get to do life together. I'm grateful for that. But last question is, well, just to end, right? Anything you want people, you want to make sure that people know. Hmm. I want people to know that they are a gift. Hmm. They are a gift and they have gifts and the world needs them. Hmm. Their family needs them. Even if they don't feel that way, they are needed in this world and they are a gift. Hmm. Yeah. Powerful. (laughs) Thank you. So let everybody know. I'm sure lots of people want to connect with you. Um, Where can they find you? Facebook? Is that mainly? Mm -hmm. Mainly right now, Facebook. Yes. I, Danielle Hughes, I do have a public profile, I believe. And Mm -hmm. right now, uh, that is where they can find me. Yeah. That's great. Hoping to do some things, but those aren't locked on yet. So you will be doing things. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, There's a yearning that's happened for a while and I have to do it. Mm -hmm. Yes. I will be pushing you, but that's another place they can find you too, is uh, you are part of my, we are women rising community, um, on Facebook and helping me with the, uh, in-person meetups and all of that. So that's another great place that people can connect with you. Also, if they're local and, and if they're not local through that Facebook group as well. Yeah, and my I have a Facebook group page also called Cultivating Connections, and that group is, the focus of that group is cultivating authentic relationship with ourselves and others. So we've done a lot of self-love stuff in there. We've done some boundaries stuff in there. It's not a therapy group, but uh, it's a nice little space to, mm-hmm. uh, what I'm gathering from my feedback is it's a safe place for some people to be able to get encouragement and support in growing themselves. Mm -hmm. I love that. Important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember starting to have positive people in my life and being like, what is this? Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah. It's so bizarre at first when you come from the history that we come from. Uh Yeah. Yeah. It almost doesn't feel safe. You're almost like, uh, can I trust this? Yeah, totally. Totally, totally. And sometimes, I mean, you can't always 100% trust someone just because they're positive. Right. But I remember the like authentic encouragement and people believing in me and being like, oh my gosh, this is just a completely foreign concept to me and how amazing that felt and how fueling it is. And so the fact that we can provide that kind of environment for people is, is awesome. It's beautiful and amazing. And that's, I think that's really the goal of both of the groups is to provide a place for, for people to start taking those initial steps. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. It just 
because I know not everyone wants to go to therapy and it's okay, but we need more spaces like ours, I think, to help encourage and empower women mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to grow and love themselves and yeah and follow their dreams and crush their goals because they're yeah. worth it. Yes. I think that's a great place to close up. (laughs) It's so true. You are worth it. You're so worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you. I've had fun. (laughs) Good. I hope you all connect with Danielle, get to know her and get in her group. All right. Thanks, Danielle. Thank you, Sarah. that just absolutely amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much, Danielle, for sharing with us your story and your heart and your wisdom and your journey that you have taken towards amazing growth and really helping others. So we appreciate you so much. And if you haven't connected with Danielle, I really encourage you head over to her Facebook page, get connected with her there, hop into her Cultivating Connections private group. And I know that you'll feel supported and poured into, and you'll find lots of amazing connections there. So thank you again. And... For me, some amazing things to come. If you haven't connected with me on Facebook, please do so. I have started a parenting challenge on my Facebook, uh, my private Facebook, where every Sunday night for the next month, I am giving tasks to help increase your connection with your children. So really to be able to strengthen that parent-child relationship. And some of you may know that my history history uh, is in parenting and parent-child relationships, and I'm really, really passionate about making those relationships thrive and positive for both parent and child, because parenting is one of the hardest things that any of us will ever do. (laughs) So if I can provide some new insight or knowledge or support in that area, I would really, really love to help do so. And if you're new to the WE podcast, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Please make sure that you subscribe so that you'll be notified every single week when a new episode is dropped. All right. Thank you, beautiful listeners, for being here. Make sure that you're going out and you're speaking your truth. You're growing like crazy and you're rising above the challenges of life. 